0: Welcome to Unsung Heroes, with Johnny, Daniel, James, and Sam. Our goal is to leave no hero unsung. Welcome to the Unsung Heroes podcast. I'm Johnny, and I'm joined here with some friends. We have James. Hello! We have Samuel. Hello. And we have Daniel.
1: Bonjour, bonjour. Ooh,
0: Frenchman! Uh-huh. Wow, uh-huh.
1: getting all exotic on us here. Right? Uh-huh. Man, uh-huh. That's right. Well, the the person we're talking about is not French by any means, so that's that was very kind true. Of misleading, yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I feel
2: like you've misled us on pretty much every episode. So no,
1: I have not. Hope. You take that back. <laughs> I will not.
0: No, that's not true. He did. What was it? The Spanish when it was a Spanish person. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There was a there was a well, lot. That I did lined up.
1: I did hala hala as a joke on like hola, Never mind. Oh right. <laughs> oh uh, yeah. I remember. yeah.
0: It's just a very literal pronunciation of it. But whatever. <laughs> um, so today we have Samuel here to talk to us uh, and present to us. So Sam,
2: uh, who are you going to be talking about? I am going to be uh, just sharing with you guys. Uh, about a man named Zhang Ha oh. He's he quite an interesting figure He's uh, from China He's This isn't in modern days This is around the 1300s, 1400s So definitely got an interesting episode for us With Zhang Ha and his adventures around China And around the Indian Ocean oh nice. wow yeah. we don't
1: have we don't have too many like super early heroes so this is i know cool.
2: it is really interesting i feel like we've had this problem before because i mean you have to separate myth from legend sometimes with earlier heroes and also there just isn't always a lot of information right about them but thankfully we do have some good documentation about this guy so i'm really excited oh, nice. to share about him
1: is lady true the farthest back we've gone I think so um, I
3: think, I think so. she was she was a couple hundred years prior to Belisarius. She was so. yeah she was like
0: 300 mm-hmm. 300s AD. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I really enjoy talking about, you know, people who lived, you know, longer ago than like within a 200 year period of us yeah. right now. Right. And also especially um in, you know, in the east like in China and v- Vietnam and Thailand and Japan and and all those. I, I just feel like they have such a rich history. Of their cultures and their people that, you know, and they've been, they've actually been taking history notes throughout the past several centuries. So that's how we can actually have all this information. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, so, and you'll definitely see that with this guy's life with Zhang Ha. Um, And one of the things, too, is like this guy... We've seen this with other episodes as well. This guy, really, he's pretty well known in China and in East Asia, especially. Uh, But as soon as you venture out, I feel like it's pretty much like maybe history professors who are really familiar with him. Uh, Everybody else is just kind of, I mean, very naturally, they don't really know too much about him. So I'm excited to share uh, about this guy. He has a very interesting story. So, yeah. Yeah quite well, an adventure
1: james you're practically a history professor have you ever heard of this guy
3: <laughs> no i have not well, and, but I, I wouldn't oh, i wouldn't be always go. having my bounds if i did say that um i think gen general western audiences are are no little to nothing of chinese history so right. <laughs> this will be yes. good for all of us in general i think it will. so i'm excited yeah
2: we will yeah. learn a lot hopefully
0: yeah so why don't you go ahead and uh and
2: tell us about him yeah absolutely um so I think the way I want to approach this is just because, like you said, James, our Western audience does not typically know too much about Chinese history. So I just want to take maybe a few seconds to kind of set the stage, give you a little bit background about what's going on in China when Zhang Ha arrives, because it's very important to kind of just know the cultural background of of what, uh, what Zhang Ha is entering into when he... When he goes on his adventures, um, so just to let you know uh, what what is going on around this time. So basically, put yourselves in the 1200s, mid 1200s, uh, mid 1300s, and China is actually being ruled by the Mongols. I'm imagining
3: Mongolian throat chanting in the background right now. Yeah. The, yes, please, <laughs> please, Should play that in the background. Maybe right we now. can edit that in or something.
2: <laughs> but, but um, so. China is being led by the Yuan Dynasty uh, up until 1368, when it's overthrown by what we call the Ming Dynasty. So, yeah, they had been under Mongol rule for about a hundred years, but the Ming Dynasty takes over and they take uh, they take China back from the Mongols. So for about 40 years, China enjoys a season of peace while they're trying to like reclaim land for themselves, and in about 1402. Uh, the emperor of China, the emperor of, of the Ming dynasty, was assassinated by his uncle. And this oh. is when a, the a man that will that will be important to this story. A man named Young Le took over the dynasty. Uh, so just to give you a little bit of background about Young Le uh, to once again, to set the stage, give you the context, Yongle was basically just an ambitious ruler uh, whose main goal pretty much throughout his entire reign was to make everyone around him know that China is the most prosperous country in the world. That was his pretty much his entire goal. He wanted all of his neighboring empires and neighboring regions to realize that they were an extremely prosperous country, extremely wealthy so just keep that in mind while we go into the story of Zhang He, because it's just it's important to keep that in your background that this guy, Young Le, he's really big on promoting the prestige and influence of China as they're as they're going out and expanding their empire. Um. So to to have that background in mind, let's let's just jump into Zhang He's story. So let's go back a few years to 1381 Uh, So in 1381, this is maybe about 10 years after the expulsion of the Mongols, a little bit after, the Ming dynasty wants to take over what is called the Yunnan province in southern China, uh, which this is the last province in all of China that is still controlled by the Mongols. And this is also where Zheng Ha lived. So um, just to give you a little note, Zheng was actually came from a Muslim background. His original name was Ma He. And apparently Ma means Mohammed in Chinese. So huh. hmm. he is from a Muslim background. He kind of has that Mongol, a little bit of Persian background in him. But when he was 10 years old in 1381, the Ming dynasty came into his province and they started to overthrow it and try, started to attack his province. Um. Apparently, there's a little bit of a story. I don't know how true this is, but a Mongol general came up to him when he was 10 and said, hey, can you take me to your uh, take me to your leader? And Maha responded, and he said that their, their leader had jumped into a lake. And huh. so I don't know what he was exactly thinking about that. Um, was he, wait, it, so what was he like lying to him? Yeah, he was lying to him, basically. He was just saying... Yeah, uh, he went to the lake, so just go that way.
3: Yeah, go swim deep down under there and wait for a long time. You'll (laughs) find
2: him. (laughs) You just stay down there. Just really (laughs) get in there, you know? Uh, But you could just imagine the general looks at him and he's like, okay. So unfortunately, he gets captured. Uh, That little ploy did not work. And (laughs) uh, an unfortunate uh, thing for young men during this time was if they were captured by the uh, by the empire the emperor's army, then they were taken and they were made eunuchs. Oh. So unfortunately wow. he was um, from an early age he was put into this the court system and was made basically a slave. He was made a eunuch. So he's he's not had a happy life so far.
0: Oh man wow. that sounds very rough yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: so he basically uh, after being captured by the the Ming dynasty by the emperor's uh, army, he's taken into their kind of their service uh, because the eunuchs they were basically taken in uh, almost essentially as slaves, kind of as just being captured and they're being trained as uh, kind of guards for the for the emperor. And so for the fi- the next fifteen to twenty years. Zheng he works his way up, and he begins to be noticed by a lot of the head officials. Uh, for one, this guy ends up being about six foot five. Which, oh if you think gosh. about, if you think about uh, East Asia, that definitely is going to be standing out just that, a little that, bit. That's insane <laughs> for that that time period
3: in general. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like, like, like I, one number I know: the average height of like a Scandinavian Viking, who we consider like you know they were big and tall, is like five nine. That's the size of, like, my oh, wife's wow. that height. That that was, like, really tall for back then. Yeah. And for somebody to be 6'5", like,
2: yeah. how do you not stand out at that point? No, like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so this guy was basically just a head over everybody. And so, obviously, you're going to stand out a little bit. But not only that, he became known throughout... Throughout the province he was working in, throughout the the courts, as this really skilled warrior. Uh, not only that, but he was also a very skilled diplomat. So he just knew how to navigate uh, some of the some of the more difficult strat- strategic issues, um, <clears throat> which obviously is going to get you noticed by top officials uh, who are always looking for. Uh, recruits who are looking for sh- ways to kind of advance their uh, their power. So this is the early 1400s. like I said, um, young Lu murders his nephew unfortunately and takes over the throne. And like I said, his goal is to make people recognize that China is number one, that they are the best of the best. And so, he really doesn't have many people that he can trust because a lot of the courts are really upset, <laughs> very naturally about what he just did to his nephew. Uh, so what he does is he turns to his eunuch, uh, his eunuchs, and he looks and he tries to look for people within the courts or the within the his service that he can use. To basically help him in some of his goals of kind of advancing the prestige of China, and after looking and after searching, he finds Zheng He, and he sees the skill of this of this warrior of this diplomat, and he decides. This is the craziest thing. He decides to make Zheng He in charge of a fleet. And let me just tell you about this fleet. Mm. This Mm. fleet has 300 ships in it with a total crew of 27,000 people.
3: Man. Wow.
2: And some of these ships, it's not just like tiny little sailboats. These are like some of these ships they've said are over 400 feet long, which to give you a little comparison, I believe Christopher Columbus's ship, it was maybe like 85 feet long. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's massive. Some of these ships, they had, like, between seven and nine masts on them.
1: <laughs> what?
2: So, don't ask me why. I'm still, like, when I was reading this, I'm like, this seems like kind of a big thing to give over to uh, a eunuch that you might not really know too, know too well, but apparently yeah, it, he was I mean, just so a He
0: wasn't even, like, qualified for this, right? Well, you know, you yeah. think
3: about it, um, like... I, again, I don't know this necessarily, but if he's looking to his eunuchs, that probably implies he wants to put somebody in a position of a, of a power and authority who's competent and is not going to be a potential rival to himself. Right, exactly. Which in that day and age, your ability to produce progeny was deeply tied to... Offspring. your Offspring. Your dyna- yeah, yeah, sorry, not progeny. <laughs> your offspring. <laughs> that that the production of offspring was, was deeply tied b- to d- dynastic, power, dynastic power. Making dynast- right? Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. people, if somebody can't have a child, right, it's like they're not going to take the throne for themselves in order to establish their own dynasty because they have no children to pass it on to necessarily so Mm -hmm. i think maybe that's one of the reasons why he he considered his eunuchs i think that's probably
2: one of the biggest reasons honestly eunuchs were made eunuchs because of that very reason right um so yeah that's a a great thing to point out um because yeah i mean he needed somebody he could trust with this amount and his courts were definitely not Trusting him at this time, and he didn't trust them. <laughs> his <laughs> course right. were
1: full of men who could produce offspring. So it's like, <laughs> "Yeah, oh,
2: yeah, pretty much, yeah, yep. yeah." Um, but he basically gives him these these ships, and he tells Zheng Ha that he he basically gives him this goal. He he wants a, a Zheng He and his fleet to go uh, around the Indian Ocean. On a series of trade missions to maintain China as basically the economic superpower of the region, mm-hmm. um, he he basically what he wants them to do is I mean they don't even necessarily need any trade goods so because they have all the spices they need they have all of the materials they need but what he wants them to do is go and just like advertise all of these fleets that are going around and. Go and basically collect tribute from all of these regions because during this time, apparently um, apparently, if you if you wanted to trade with China, you had to pay a tribute, which required sending an ambassador or even if you were a prince, even going yourself to the emperor and like bowing down in kind of a humiliating stance and saying that China is the best and your country is not as good as China's. So he wanted that street
3: cred, basically. Yeah, basically. And
2: and so if you paid that tribute over to them, then you would get the opportunity to trade with those Chinese merchants. Um, If you didn't pay it, then you wouldn't be able to trade with them. And China at this point has some of the the most luxurious commodities like spices, silk, you know, all of the things that, if you think of the Silk Road, what China was known for. Um, So... He's basically um, yeah he's basically just trying to find ways to show off and kind of give this prestige about them um, and basically just assert himself at, or ass, assert China as the as the powerhouse of the Indian Ocean. So he ends up in total he ends up going in on about seven expeditions, and I'm not going to talk about each one because we don't have time for that, but I will tell you about a few of the stories of his expeditions and just give you a little bit of, uh, just a little insight into (laughs) all of the, uh, all of the different situations he got himself in. Um, so 1405, they set off for the first expedition. They, they make their way through Indonesia and they end up on the West side of India in a city called Calcutta. Uh, And they spend several months trading there, and afterwards they come back. I think they spend maybe like almost a year there, maybe longer. Uh, And they come back with jewels and other commodities. But on the way back near Indonesia, uh, Zhang Ha is made aware of a fleet of of all things. He's made aware of a fleet of pirates uh, led by a man named Chen Zuyi, which... If you think about this time, when I was reading this, I'm I was just kind of surprised by I mean, the idea of pirates being around because this isn't by any means the golden age of piracy.
3: Yeah, we always think of pirates in terms of like the, the ARG, maybe British European yeah, yeah. privateers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't fit the the typical stereotype of a pirate. Um but he was in charge of a fleet of, of these Ships, and uh, not only that, he was also in charge of an entire city uh, called Palembang in Indonesia. Uh, so he held control of this city, and so initially, uh, Zheng Ha tries to negotiate with uh, Chen Zuyi, and he sends some some people to the city, and he tries to make them surrender. And the pirates, they initially agree, but then they, they pull a sneaky one on them, Uh-oh. and they they do a surprise attack. Ooh. And I don't know. If I'm a pirate at this point, and I'm looking at a fleet of like 300 ships, and I have like maybe 20 ships, that's what they say is about how many. Um, I don't know if I'd be too thrilled to go into battle with them, but I guess Chen Zuyi, he's... I don't know. He can do his own thing. He's a thrill seeker.
1: That's, that's yeah. why you're not a pirate, Sam. I guess <laughs> not. You know. <laughs> that's right. So he's trying to do like
2: a hit
3: and run, loot and raid thing. I guess. Yeah, or, just yeah. a loot and raid. Yeah. Um, I mean, there'd I'd be
2: get,
1: there'd be something to say about like a much smaller fleet size that can you know that's a lot more maneuverable. Yeah. Um, you're keeping a tight ship. I'm sure the these shall,
3: 300, so. 400 yeah. foot vessels are difficult to you know, move quickly in some yeah.
2: senses. So. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But, but still, but it is pretty crazy. Maybe whenever I go into pirate school, I'll let you guys know what the strategy behind yeah, that was. Do. So yeah, please do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so they go back and forth, uh, for a while. And apparently they were throwing like early forms of grenades at each other, which that's pretty cool. Um, but in the end, uh, Zheng Ha ends up sinking about ten of their ships and then capturing seven of, seven of them, including uh, Chen Zuyi himself. He was captured as well and was eventually executed uh, a few months later in Nanjing, the the capital province. So
3: maybe Samuel, you would be a better pirate than this guy, <laughs> yeah. based on your initial intuition. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, I feel I like so.
0: I feel like that's the way pirates went. It was like. There was a lot of different pirates and and they all tried to charge and a lot of them died or got captured and <laughs> yep. only the only the truly like legendary ones managed to escape. And then they usually died an awful death as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah eventually because they <laughs> right. kept because they kept trying that. Eventually they're gonna get caught, <laughs> right?
2: <laughs> so we we can tell all you pirates out there that That's right. This is a warning don't to all attack you pirates. a ship of three hundred.
1: Crime <laughs> doesn't pay off, guys. Stop it. Get some help. Get, get some, some help.
2: help. <laughs> <laughs>
0: pay pay it's a for crime. your media. Don't just download a car. <laughs> <laughs> I love that commercial. It's a crime.
2: But um, but in the end, this actually ends up being a really great uh, a great a uh, trip, basically for Emperor Le. because when Chen Zuyi when he held control of the city. Uh, and once he was executed, uh, young Lo was able to send a diplomat to the city and basically gain control over the region. So it, while the trip wasn't necessarily to go and like colonize, that was not the intent of the trip to go and colonize these different areas. Uh, it ended up working out well for them that this, this pirate basically lost control of the city that he was in charge of. And they sent a diplomat and now they have more resources, um,
0: it's like, wow, we we left with this many people and we you know, and when they came back, it's like, oh, I have new land. That's great. I, got, nope. <laughs> I wasn't even trying that. Oh man, that Crazy was great. Guy, yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. And give them like a participation trophy or something. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, so that was the first voyage which worked out really successfully. Honestly, all of these voyages that he goes on, um, almost all of them worked out successfully, uh, to kind of skip around a little bit. The next big one that happened was voyage. It was a third voyage. Uh, they, so Jung Ha took his fleet of however many people, uh, yeah, thousands, thousands of people. Uh, and they traveled to what is modern day Sri Lanka, which is that Island right off of India. And, there was fighting that was taking place between uh, Hindus and Buddhists. And um, so they go in and they try to settle the disputes. And at the same time, while they're trying to settle the disputes, uh, Zhang Ha goes to the king. Um, his name is Alexavara. Um, and he tries to get him to pay tribute. And most people at this point have been willing to pay tribute so they can get the trade commodities. But uh, Alexavara. Um, refuses to pay tribute and so they decide okay Zheng he decides all right we we need to leave so they leave and then several months later they're like okay we need to go back they didn't they didn't give us our tribute we're not really happy with that so they go back and they plan an attack and they uh, Zheng Ha sends about 2,000 soldiers on land and basically Alexavara learns about this and he tries to use the attack to maneuver around them and go and try to get a hold of all of the ships. Uh-oh. Ooh. So we got a we got a little surprise attack going on. <laughs>
3: so he's attacking his palace. And from the palace, he's attacking the boats. And so they end up both being destroyed, right? And so then it's a state.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
3: they basically... They the
1: places, they turn around at each other, they're like, hey, wait, you're supposed to be here. <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> so, Truce? Truce? Are we good?
2: <laughs> initially, though, um, they weren't attacking the capital city. I think they were just... I don't know exactly what they were attacking. Um, yeah, initially, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what they were attacking. But... Alexavara decided he was going to use most of his forces to go and attack the the fleet, which left their capital city wide open. Uh, so basically all Zhang He had to do was he went into the capital city and barricaded themselves in. I knew so it. <laughs> the <laughs> alexandarus people had to basically siege their own city oh, in <sighs> in order to kind of defeat those troops you that's cowards
0: rough. you cowards
3: <laughs> <laughs> every time
0: there's
2: a
3: siege of any kind we just whip out the you cowards i know <laughs> um, man that that's actually that that's got to really be awful for the the king because he's you know, when you're invading your own castle, it's not like you can just go all out and destroy the That's city. because It's, it's yeah. your yeah, own city. You yeah. can't really the do people, that because it's your people. And then additionally, the people defending the city don't really have to care much about, you know, how they maintain or care for the city itself. Like they, so. they don't have to take as many precautions <laughs> yeah.
0: in yeah. defending. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy.
2: Yeah. Which basically leads Zheng He to winning that battle as well. Which keep in mind, this is all coming from. Basically from a eunuch who whose prior training was um I mean in the courts just, just and, being tall. Yeah, being tall and being
1: <laughs> just looking down on everyone I don't know. else.
3: I, I personally wouldn't refuse to pay tribute being commanded by a man who's you know? six five, like, <laughs> you know? Whatever you say, sir. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's funny. Exactly. Um so voyage 3 ends up being a success. Alexavara is captured and a new king was put in place who did pay tribute to China. So they're getting their their tributes, they're getting their gold. it's it's going really well for them. Um, yeah, just to tell you uh, just about yeah well yeah just to tell you about this next one um, so voyage 4 they travel to North Africa And this one, this one is interesting because they're gifted, among other things, they get like jewels and uh, carpets. But along with that, they're also gifted with lions, leopards and giraffes.
0: Sounds like a knockoff of... Uh, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my!
2: <laughs> <laughs> and giraffes. And giraffes and leopards. No, and,
3: had they yeah. had they heard of these animals before? Samuel or seen? No, them? they
2: had not. Wow. Or if they had heard of them, they had never seen them in person. Man. So this this basically turns into the the Chinese version of Noah's Ark because they start <laughs> yeah. loading up all of these animals to <laughs> to great. bring back. And <clears throat> so, just imagine you are a Chinese citizen. And these ships arrive and you see a giraffe for the first time. Like, how on earth would you respond to that?
0: I, yeah, it would be real freaky. (laughs) Look
1: (laughs) at the neck of the thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah, because that's basically what people did when they, when the fleet first arrived, they saw these giraffes and they flipped out. Very naturally That's
1: such a weird thought For us to think about Like being introduced To a bunch of animals We have no Like Just Picture of right. in our minds Right Yeah Because yeah. obviously Because of the internet We can see All sorts of animals So I just can't imagine yeah. What it must have been like
2: So basically Yeah The people Were freaking out About the giraffes And Some people Actually thought of it As like a sign from A sign from the deities From the gods Of favor upon Jungla's reign Because they, for some reason, they thought the giraffes reminded them of some some spirit. I'm not sure exactly on the details of that. But the long story short, they really were overwhelmed. And these animals actually added to the prestige that he's really trying to build for himself. uh, And he's investing a lot in uh, and it's really, it's working, honestly. They're getting a lot of tributes. They're getting a lot of uh, power because just remember, these tributes, they aren't only helping them like in their pride factor, but it's also helping them like maintain trade and getting right. their resources out there. Because It's basically they, a way
3: for them to establish connections and trade, which is only going to, you know, help right. them long term. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's basically just expanding their wealth in ways because mm-hmm. they might have all these resources, but if they can't get them to people and can't get... Other goods out to them, then there's there's no point in that in the trade. So, it's just a really, I mean, it's it's a pretty uh, selfish way to expand your trade, but it's also pretty effective at this point. I guess, yeah. (laughs) Um, so the rest of his voyages in the long in the long run, they basically follow this pattern of going to the settlements. They're collecting the tribute. They're getting other uh, goods. They're adding animals to their collection, and Then they would ensure that other other people were making their tributes as well. And if they weren't, then sometimes they would attack them. Sometimes they would try to negotiate with them. Uh, And he eventually ends up making his way all the way to uh, around South Africa, which this is at this point the farthest that any Chinese traveler had ever gone uh, in terms of like Africa. Um, Man, and Nan- just this was this ex- was
0: before they were co- colonized at all. So it would have been just the native Africans, not right. It would have right been the native Africans.
3: Man, th- that Nanjing must have had like the coolest zoo at this point.
2: <laughs> I know.
3: Custom <laughs> <laughs> from South Africa, from North Africa, from you know. Oh sense. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah.
2: They probably they had quite a zoo at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And they, um, yeah, they're just adding to their wealth and. When I read about this, I, I'm just really impressed by Zheng He's ability to kind of work his way through these different situations with little, with little experience to work off of. Um, I mm-hmm. mean, he ended up doing this about six or seven times, so this he he gains experience with each one, but especially in the beginning, he's just kind of going off of his instinct in a lot of ways, um, and he ends up making it very successful. Uh, but unfortunately, in 1424 his patron young Lu died and the next emperor basically decided that uh, all of this advertisement that <laughs> young Lu was big into isn't really worth it for them. Uh, and so they decided to to cut off this this ship the, these ships and these these fleets uh, and basically invest in other things. Um, So in a lot of ways, this was kind of the height of Chinese expansionism, where they're going and trying to to establish trade along the Indian Ocean. That was kind of like the golden age of it. And then it kind of dwindled from there. Um, In 1431, actually, there was another emperor at that time, and it was a grandson of Yongle. And he wanted to honor uh, what Yongle tried to do in kind of building up this prestige. And so he got he got Jungha out of retirement at age sixty. Coming out of retirement. I'm too old for this. Every time I know.
0: I feel like every other hero we do is like retired and has to come out. He has to come yeah. out of retirement.
2: Yeah. Um, unfortunately, he was too old. <laughs> he was
0: actually too what? old for it this time. I'm we too
3: old
1: for this. What?
2: <laughs> so he did go on the voyage, but he didn't make it back, unfortunately. Oh. Um, oh. So, yeah. So some sources, they're not exactly sure where he ended up, uh, where he ended up dying, but a lot of people say it was in Calcutta. Um, and after that, with Young Le and Zheng Ha both. Both passed away. There was no there was no group to really continue it or no desire really to continue doing the expansions. Um, and so they decided to disband the fleet and they invested in other cool things like wow. the Great Wall of China. Oh. <laughs> so that is the that is the rise and fall of Chinese trade and Zhang He.
0: Wow. Oh, hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting to hear about how even that many years ago, they were like trying to build up this economic powerhouse. You know, I feel like we hear a lot about that today in the news about China becoming an economic powerhouse. Right. But yeah, we hear
1: about how they're like, you know, investing in infrastructure of these other countries to have leverage. But mm-hmm. I like I like how they did it back then more, man. Just yeah.
0: just explore and get you some just giraffes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, give us some giraffes and. We'll call it even. You, you know, know I, just, I really
2: wish I could have been on one of those ships and just like traded like, I don't know, silk with for a lion or something like that, you know?
1: Some Chinese checkers and stuff.
2: <laughs> no. Um, one interesting thing to note though, and one interesting thing to think about is the idea of Chinese uh, Chinese merchants is kind of a strange idea, uh, especially when you think of it in terms of Confucian values, uh, so some people say that the reason that they ended this is because uh, they they were trying to hold on to the Confucian values that um, came before Youngla, and uh, in Confucianism, basically the merchant is considered one of the lowest forms of of work, one of the yeah. lowest lines of work. Because you're basically just profiting of what other people have done and what other people have made. So they, some people say that it ended because they were trying to reestablish those Confucian ideals. So just an another idea, another thought to consider, and just an interesting cultural aspect of that. For sure. As well,
3: that's also really interesting to think about. Wow. Yeah. Well, man, it's really interesting to hear about that, Samuel. That was awesome. Yeah.
2: Cool. Well, no. um,
3: I'll have to. Let, let's try to do a song here then. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, have to get some lyrics off this real quick and uh, think about what kind Wait, of genre we You haven't do. been taking notes? Not this time, oh. No. Oh, I no. Thought, I thought no. I thought I'd put together no. a couple. We'll cut out here for a couple seconds, come up with some lyrics, and we'll give you guys something real quick. So this, okay. this should be interesting. All right.
0: <laughs> All right, kids. We have a little song for you here.
3: Try to keep up. Okay, this is going to be fun. All right, let's see if this works. (laughs) Here we go.
0: A servant of the king. He was chosen to lead a fleet across the world to get some giraffes and tribute for the glory of his country. Youngly wanted to flex on all his haters, so he sent a eunuch to trade with them, but some pirates tried to rob him, so he killed them for the glory of his country, but Young Lee was killed so it ended, and he really should not have come out of retirement, but for the glory of his country, but Young Lee wants him to come out of retirement for the glory of his country.
3: Oh my God. Okay. Gosh. Uh, there we go. Let's how many key changes can we get there? It, it, keeps, oh, gosh. it keeps
0: going like that. So just please keep. just fade it out right there. That was, <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, yes. Like, well, yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Sam. Uh, unfortunately, while we were rehearsing that song, Daniel cut out his internet. Oh, his internet cut out. <laughs> he cut out his internet. <laughs> he, he was just did had enough.
3: As you could tell, that song was so goofy. He was, he just, was just He was done. like, I'm out.
0: <laughs> no, his internet cut out on him. He uh, So he's not here anymore. So long, Daniel. We'll never talk to you again. Ooh. Goodbye. <laughs> just, just kidding. He'll be back next week. But uh, unfortunately, he's not here to sign off. But we are, so we'll sign off for him. Um, any other remarks before we do that, though?
3: Well... Exploration is a pretty incredible thing, especially when sung to the tune of a a hillbilly hick song. I guess is is that the genre <laughs> we are going to? That's right. Yeah,
0: exactly. Man, it's the best way to memorize historical facts is just a- to absolutely sing about them. I would agree. Yeah. Alrighty then. Okay, Daniel is texting me and he says to say goodbye for him. So goodbye, everybody. <laughs> bye bye. Goodbye. We'll see you next time.